I think we're going. Let's do it. Okay, so, do you know, I don't know if you were into, like, uh, codes and stuff as kids, but this is what I discovered this Stop. morning. Stop, uh, No, Matt, codes. we were not like nerds. Like we weren't nerds, Matt. <laughs> oh, please. If that's what you Space meant. Space <laughs> cowboy comics, please, you were right there with me. But, like, uh, like ciphers or... Like decoding things, you know. I don't know. If cereal you box toys. Cereal box toys. Okay. Yeah. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Lower level. So. But trying to even write <laughs> your. Lower level. <laughs> oh. Oh, Are you calling seven-year-old me a lower-level coder? <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning of his CIA career. Come on, Matt. <laughs> no. So here's here's what I discovered today. If you type in the word "curious," like on a keyboard, but you shift all of the letters one key to the right okay so, so instead like, of c you're hitting d actually, that you're talking about v oh v whatever c, yeah, yeah, yeah. C, so v. like on a keyboard so this is actually called a keyboard cipher oh, you'll, you'll oh spell i spell out i'm looking at a keyboard and i still can't figure you'll spell it out. out v-i-t-o-p-i-d okay Here's how I found this. What does that mean? Vitopid? I, vit, vitopid. I love that word. Okay. Vitopid. That's my favorite word. But wait for it. Vitopid. So I accidentally what? did this this morning in my browser because I moved. I was trying to type in curious. I was trying to look something up related to our podcast. Yeah, put your fingers on the home row. Missed, missed that memo. Mm-hmm. Got the wrong keys. Type that in. Then I was like, that's interesting because usually you would just get kind of gobbledygook. But this has, this kind of has some vowels in potential places. So I hit enter on my Google search. And up comes a bunch of pages that are not in English. I'm like, what language is this? So I click one to work out what language it is. It, it was in Icelandic. Oh, nice. Huh. And it was actually two words, <laughs> vitopid or something like that. And I had to copy from one of the pages because the D is not the Icelandic D in this particular phrase, vitopid. It's like a... You guys all know the Icelandic, Icelandic D, right? <laughs> they call it a, a, a ayud or something like that. I looked up the pronunciation, but that wasn't very good. Sorry, our Icelandic I think that was the nurse. first noise I made when I... That's the first... Uh, the whole Icelandic crowd just got cut in half. Yeah. I but, think that was the first noise I made this morning when I woke up. Aid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then I took it to you Google Translate. Icelandic. I didn't know that. And do you know what vitoped means? Curious. <laughs> Close. Google Translate translated it as sense, sense or senses open. Oh, Oh. oh, isn't that kind of cool? That's Senses deep. Open, yeah. That Senses should be a new open. segment somehow. <sighs> it, was, it was like a a vitopid moment, a holy holy spirit moment. Vitopid, right there. wow, vitopid. And so then I looked up what kind of cipher that would be called, and it's called a keyboard cipher. Anyway, how are you guys? Happy New Year! That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Matt is out. <laughs> Well, welcome everyone. Curious Church Podcast. Woo. Welcome. We're back. 2017. It's a new year. By popular demand. It's fresh. And you thought, everyone thought we were done. We couldn't <laughs> hang it. in there for more than six episodes. Yeah. Everyone thought we, we were flashing the pan. Yeah. We peaked early. It was cool. It was exciting. But then it died off. Right. No. You can't keep us down. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming back. <laughs> we're like LeBron James. Back. We're like LeBron James. <laughs> Would anyone like to say anyone's name on air? Last time I, I mentioned this this friend of ours, a listener, mm-hmm. a yeah. huge fan, huge fan, Titus, and uh, he was pumped. 
He was listening to it and he was pumped <laughs> that his name got mentioned over the airwaves. And now or, again. Yes, and now twice. And, and now row. again. But would anyone else like to uh, say someone's name? We received an email. Oh, we did. From Iceland? Uh, not from Iceland. <laughs> I'm still waiting on those ones. But from Betty Carlton. Oh, who emailed and nice. said that she is enjoying the podcast. She listened to the latest three when she emailed us. Mm. Was going to go back to listen to the first three. A very recommendable course of action. <laughs> but uh, there you go. She deserves a shout out. She Thanks, Betty. And, you, and Betty Thanks, sent me a beautiful Betty. Christmas card. Our family, a Christmas oh. card as well. Oh, so. nice. Go I don't Betty. know. if you, Do you send thank you cards when you get Christmas cards? If they're that good, you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. So, hi, Betty. Thanks for the card. My brother, Mike, listened to the podcast, and he said, I want to go to that church. <laughs> now, this is yes. a brother. This is a brother. Yes. You know, brothers are pretty honest with you. So, this was, this was like a pretty big endorsement, I thought. That's yeah, cool. it's wow. like, I like those guys. And Aaron's wife, Jelaine. Listen, I think she, she binged. Finally, she binged. Yes. Did she binge? Listen, I think she binged. Yeah. Oh wow! Netflix yeah, she had out. a road trip and she uh, plugged in, and or maybe she's been running, like taking her phone with her. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she anyway. wrote me or us. I can't remember what it was in a text and said, "I think it was us." Said, "You guys are geniuses." <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe she didn't use the word genius. That's how I I ciphered. I thought whatever <laughs> word she used, all the words, <laughs> whatever right. word she used, I was like, "That's got to be a genius. cipher." Yeah. Yeah, it turns into was, idiots. So that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, should we do a new little segment? Please. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this new segment is called My List. I was just dreaming about things that I like, specifically in the category of green. So these are my top five favorite green things. Kermit. Kermit, can we guess? Okay, here we go. Oh, I kind of want to guess. Can we give us each a guess? Yeah, sure. Number five. So this is my least favorite of my most favorite. Okay. Right. You like it still. Yeah, I like it. It's one of my top five, but But number five. It's number five. And we're leading up to number one, which is my favorite. Favorite. Grass. Uh, Kermit. I'm sticking with Kermit. Come Mm. on. Uh, He's coming later. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, Leaves? (laughs) No, no. Okay. No, no. <laughs> that was number five. I was my on the five yeah. green things. Number five, Slimer. Slimer. Uh, from Ghostbusters. Okay. You know, I've never seen this movie. So I, I have no context. Millennials. <laughs> yeah. we'll go back it's a Slams classic it's classic but anyways there's this green ghost his name is slimer he loves to eat like in general yeah he loves to like eat he loves he's to messy eat he's slimy he slimes he doesn't uh, eat ghost things he eats people things right yeah how do, yeah, how do he ghosts do that well i don't know but he has like a <laughs> like he has huge teeth like buck teeth and he's funny and he's slimy and he's green it's like a booger he looks like a big booger <laughs> He's okay. funny when you were our age when that movie came out. That's the time I think he was Yeah, funny. and this isn't my top funny green things. These are my top... If it was your list of your top favorite. five funny green things, would he be at the top of the list? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, it sounds <laughs> like it. Okay, number four. Uh, pea soup. Mm. It's kind of a, I feel like that's a controversial choice. I, it is, actually, because <laughs> I know people who can't stand pea soup. It's, it's like gonna be the soup. worst. I'm so. on that pea soup train. I love pea Put soup. Put some rice in it. No, no, no rice, rice, but like, sure. no rice, but like, hearty, hearty it up a little bit, but like red pet, like r- spicy, spice it up. Okay. Yeah. Spicy. Uh, yeah. Kind of just a bland pea soup person. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
going to be. Well, there's so much you can do with pea soup, man. I get some hot feedback about this. That's right. <laughs> if you would like to leave a comment about pea soup, then go ahead. Okay, number three, Kermit the Frog. Yeah! He beat Slimer and oh, Pea Soup. He had to be well, Slimer. Number three. I mean, if he lost a Pea Soup, that Why he must, he are there real... so many songs about rainbows? <laughs> That's pretty good. I <laughs> want to try keep going, my... Keep going, Eric. I want to yes. try my Kermit yeah, impression. Yeah, go, go for it, Sam. <clears throat> Hi-ho. Hi-ho. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hi-ho. Hi-ho. Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> that's good. Keep going. Sing. Hi ho, Kermitty Frog here. Welcome to. That's okay. Here's, here's, here's my challenge for you, Sam. Can you do it without saying hi ho at the beginning? I really uh, can't. No, because that's, 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 that's his signature. That gets you into the character. That's his thing. Yeah. Hi ho. Yeah. That's Come good. on. Welcome okay. to the Curious okay, okay. Church podcast. This one is for all the Star Wars nerds out there. Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber. Ooh. That's pretty cool. That well, is but this cool. isn't cool. This is your favorite. Well, I know. These are my favorite okay. green things. And did you know that he was originally given the green lightsaber by Obi-Wan, yes. which used to be his dad's lightsaber, I think. Anyways, in the second movie, his Luke's hand gets chopped off. Remember that? By, by Darth Vader. Yeah, yes. And his green lightsaber falls into the pit. So yeah. in Return of the Jedi, he has a blue lightsaber. So the green lightsaber, I think, is lost. It's gone. By the way... I should tell you that in Roseville, I found this online. There is a guy who makes authentic lightsabers. When you he lives in Roseville, he sold his last one on eBay for fifteen thousand dollars, and he's known on the internet as Yoda. (laughs) Can you like? What do you mean it's authentic? Well, he like the technology is like like, well, it goes up. No, I don't know. It's like it's like really authentic looking. He oh, like studied really all the good. specs, and then it has like LED lights, and it has like a crystal in the middle. And anyways, people want these things. Uh, number one, number one, guacamole. Guacamole with jalapenos in it. Oh, oh, that's really green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really. Anyways. Just a review. Slimer, <laughs> Slimer from Ghostbusters. Pea soup. That's taking notes at home. Kermit, Kermit the Frog. Uh, Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber and guacamole. Thank you very much. Good that is my list. list. We're going to do some introductions. Hi. Let's start across. Aaron Antone here. Hi, her. I mean, uh, I'm Matt. That was awful. <laughs> that was, that was terrible. Guys, thanks for the encouragement. I took a swing and missed. <laughs> I'm Matt. That's one strike. We'll see if you get two more. Okay. Uh, I'm Sam Gutierrez. And I'm Kevin. So if you recognize that voice, it's Dr. Professor. Reverend. Reverend <laughs> Kevin Adams. Friend, mentor, pastor. Earlier in the church podcast, he did a segment on, he was with us, he did a segment on the Psalms in connection to enemies. Mm -hmm. And we're going through a book that he wrote called 150. It's yellow. It can be found on Amazon.com. It is excellent. I wish you were green, but thank you, Sam. (laughs) It is excellent. It's 150, Finding Your Story in the Psalms. And we're kind of going chapter by chapter. We did, what was it, chapter three or something like that, Psalms and Enemies. Today, we're doing chapter five which is Psalms and beauty Mm. in connection to specifically Psalm 27. Nice. So we're happy to have you back. It's good to be back. I'm honored. Why does beauty matter? 
Oh, there's a good question. <laughs> Who's going to answer that question? I want to get right into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, my quick answer would be beauty is at the center of the universe. God is beauty. It's also, it's kind of a terrifying, amazing, unsettling, attractive beauty, right? It's a particular God kind of amazing beauty, but beauty is at the center of the universe. So if we're going to jump into the psalm, uh, it's interesting, right? It begins with um, anxiety uh, and about fear and um, addresses all our, um, yeah, kind of um, fears about the universe. And then right away it goes, to the, the psalmist says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then Miles Cloverdale's first English translation version, to gaze upon the fair beauty of the Lord. Hmm. Isn't that great? Yeah. Like the thing that will hold me together in a world of anxiety, and he talks about armies besieging him and all these terrible things. The thing that holds me together in all that is to gaze upon the fair beauty of the Lord. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's that'd be a fun place to start. Hmm. Well, what I like about that is it's not our first it's not our first inclination where we're feeling anxious to gaze upon the fair beauty of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, the first thing we don't think is, hey, I I need beauty, right? Hmm. I need to I need to we gaze think, upon. Yeah, I need. A uh, glass of wine. <laughs> Maybe that is beauty. We'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, in your chapter, I kind of broke it into two sections. I was reading it over again, and I thought it kind of really broke into two sections. The first was that you say this through numerous stories, but beauty, beauty satisfies the soul. In other words, beauty gets inside of us and somehow captivates us. And you told that through various stories. So... Maybe you could talk about some of, some of the people that you mentioned in your book, maybe a, maybe a couple quotes. Yeah, I, well, I love the story of Simone Vail, this um, awkward, uh, physically awkward, socially awkward, French, uh, in her own words, agnostic, atheist person who, um, when she was 11 or 12 years old, said to her mom and dad, she announced, I'm with the Bolsheviks. So obviously that was from the previous century. And then um, she hears about the freedom fighters in Spain and thinks I need to go help them. And she's so awkward physically uh, that she falls into the fire, and she she's just terrible with a gun. So they send her away to be healed, and she has all this anxiety. She has all this these terrible migraine headaches, and it's in poetry that she experiences beauty and relief from her migraine headaches, of all things. And the poet is George Herbert and uh, leads her to become a person of faith eventually in a very unique way. I don't think she was ever baptized because she didn't know if she could belong to such a group as the church, which all of us get sort of intuitively. But um, yeah, beauty healed her, provided healing for her in a way she didn't expect. I mean, of all the things for a French agnostic freedom fighter philosopher uh, to do to get uh, healed, beauty didn't doesn't seem very high on the list, but there it is. And I, I think it's... I think it's beauty. She says, right, here's a couple quotes. Um, there are only two things that can pierce the human heart, beauty and affliction. Isn't that interesting? And beauty is proof that the world points to something beyond itself. And then it is evidence that Jesus' incarnation was possible. Beauty experienced in nature and art is a sensible reflection of the mystery of faith. Yeah, so I think we underestimate beauty in lots of ways. What do you think about that, Sam, the artist? Well, I just want to say, you know, there's different ways to begin a new year. And a yeah. lot of us start January with 
resolutions or goals or kind of saying, hey, I'm going to try this or try that or let go of this, let go of that. But I think it's interesting that, you know, starting the year with beauty Mm -hmm. and kind of focusing on beauty and how can we cultivate and pay attention to beauty in 2017 is quite intriguing and challenging to think about how to do that. But it's an interesting way to start a new year. Let's talk about beauty. That'd be a great theme for the year, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. What are you working on this year? I want to see and appreciate beautiful things and beauty in people and other settings in green things. Yeah, I mean, there's another quote by by her where it says, beauty captivates the flesh. This is kind of an interesting quote. Beauty captivates the flesh in order to obtain permission to pass right into the soul. So it's like beauty's aim is to kind of get inside of us. And it almost like distracts the flesh and kind of makes, you know, a straight shot right to the soul. Yeah. Well, I think that's what makes Aaron's work so spectacular, right? Before people hear a word or uh, several words in something we call a sermon or a, a message or a conversation, there's music and there's uh, poetry maybe, something yeah. that Matt does. But there's there's beauty, which often kind of sneaks up on us unexpectedly. I was thinking this past week when Jelaine sang, it was a, a holy moment. It, the Celts mm-hmm. talk about these thin spaces between heaven and earth where you just feel like you're closer to heaven. And when Jelaine sings, it's almost always like that, and this past week was as well. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting how that happens on a Sunday morning or in different places and times. Beauty. Yeah, and I think it happens through poetry. So yeah. like you mentioned, poetry yeah. speaks to, to some of us. Music really opens up the heart yeah. and kind of opens people's souls up. So music does that a lot. Um, art can do that. Yeah. And I think nature can do that. Right. So a lot of people somehow feel more alive or more connected to their soul when they're taking a hike or they're out in nature. So there's lots of ways, lots of different ways we experience yeah. beauty. Sometimes it's just the moments, like the moments that we sometimes talk about in our um, Oliverism segment, you know, yeah. where we're noticing something, we're paying attention and being astonished by it. I think a lot of those little moments are beautiful too. Does anyone have any examples of being captivated by beauty? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love it. it when you ask a question and then you have an answer for yeah. it? So I remember being in Madrid, Spain, and I, I was an art major in my undergrad, so I studied a lot of different artists, and I was always captivated by Picasso. And um, I had a chance when I was in Madrid to go to a museum that had a bunch of his works. And one of these works in particular filled up like an entire wall, which all by itself was impressive. Because when you see these things, you see them in textbooks and Mm -hmm. perhaps on a slide or on a web search. But when I actually saw it in person, it took up a whole wall. And I don't know if it was just the anticipation of kind of seeing this great work by this great artist. But when I saw it, it, I just couldn't say anything. I was kind of struck by the power and the beauty of this artwork and I teared up and that was really unexpected. I did not expect to have that reaction, but in the presence of beauty, I was silenced and I was just gazing upon this artwork that I've somehow immediately opened in that moment and inspired and humbled and maybe, maybe a little more sensitive. 
I, I really resonate with that, Sam. I was um, maybe in the same place, but there's a, um, and I didn't even know I liked Picasso until I saw it, and there it was, and it overtook me. And then um, just a little ways down the hall was a, um, a Van Gogh, and I was so taken, it was on loan, as I remember, and I was so taken by it, but I couldn't get to it because it was just packed with people looking at it as, you know, as if they could get bored with Picasso. But Picasso had been there and would be there f uh, for a while. But I was so taken by it. I took a picture of the people looking at the Van Gogh. They were just mm -hmm. enthralled. People of all ages and of all different kind of um, descriptions and backgrounds, apparently, on the outside anyway. And they were just silent before the beauty. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I think for me, an example would probably be my wedding. Um, Rachel, my wife, looked beautiful, and that's certainly a kind of beauty. But even just the ceremony, the whole ceremony itself, there's just like a, an overwhelming sense of goodwill, I think, was maybe a part of it. Like all these people who want good things for you mm -hmm. is really something we don't experience very much in our world. Like kind of have friendships but it's pretty rare on mass you kind of feel people who like are delighted and delighting uh for you and with you um which i think is as we're kind of talking about these things i'm just struck by like how often beauty is kind of the the almost <coughs> invisible elements of the thing like there's something in which um even like a painting it's beautiful but it's almost like a sacrament for beauty i like that quote right like beauty is kind of bypassing the flesh almost which almost it presents beauty as not the thing it's something else that's trying to get to you um when we talk about god as being beauty there's something really rich there but just like this kind of yeah it, invisible quality to things that suddenly elevate them such that you walk in and it's not just a mural it's something that takes your breath away mm -hmm. so I, I i feel like i can i feel like i can understand earthly beauty pretty well i can understand beauty in music and in visual art and in holy moments how do we i think as a human it's hard for me to picture God's beauty without somehow picturing a beautiful old bearded man. <laughs> still, like as a yeah. lifelong Christian, yeah. I still struggle with how to how to put a picture to the to put a picture to God. So how uh, I'm just kind of asking the room, but like how 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 can we more appreciate um, divine beauty, or maybe how how do we think maybe David did? I think maybe I can just jump kind of with a little bit of his historical theology point that ties in with this nicely. So Jonathan Edwards um, is an American preacher, American theologian, very influential. But he sort of holds to a pretty classic sort of what we would call now Calvinist series of doctrines. But when he gets to this idea of irresistible grace, which is this idea that when God kind of reaches out to you, you just can't resist him. And he puts an aesthetic spin on it. So for Edwards, it's not just like God just reaches down and plucks you. It's that like God kind of lets you see him. And then his beauty is just like so overwhelming that you just can't help but be drawn in. I've just always found that a really captivating way to think about a doctrine that can be kind of used sometimes as a bludgeon. But when you say kind of how do we think about God's beauty, I think some of it is um, 
just God's sort of self-revelation as we come to him, that fundamental experience is one that is just sort of marked throughout by beauty, even if we wouldn't say like, oh, I had this spectacular vision or something like that. But um, God kind of can't do anything without it being beautiful, it seems to me in some way. Yeah, and I think there's kind of two ways to think about God as beauty or beautiful. I think there's something visually beautiful about God. So, of course, we've never seen God's face, but I mean, you could just imagine someday seeing God's face, however that happens or whatever that looks like, and just melting, (laughs) crumbling. Um, Not in a bad sense of but in a good sense of falling apart or just weeping at such immense beauty, God's face. And then the Bible also describes God sometimes as like these rainbows coming from the throne or this light. So there's something just... Wasn't it Moses who couldn't look at God or he would be killed like this little kid? Yeah, there's something about the beauty kills. Overwhelming. (laughs) Unfiltered beauty can kill you. You're undone. And there's something about that's how powerful it is, that it can actually kill you. Um, so there's something physical, beautiful about God, if you were to actually look upon him with your eyes. I've but, had this, I know you're in the middle of a thought, and you looked like you were really on a roll, but I just have to quick say <laughs> that I think there's there's an earthly version of that too, where something, have you ever had or seen or heard something so beautiful, it's like almost, it's almost painful, it's like, like kind of biting on a, like a sore in your mouth, you're like, oh, that hurts, but it's so good, I need, you know, I, I want more of it, but it hurts almost. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a connection between kind of, there can be a connection between sadness, pain, and beauty and love. Somehow those are not necessarily separate things. So I think, yeah, when we see God, there is something painfully wonderful about that, but then also how God conducts himself. So these persons of the Trinity serving one another, see how they treat one another, see how they love one another. And I think it's through action we also get a sense of that beauty, which kind of brings us to the next point in your book, which is this idea that beauty spurs on social justice, which I don't think people would put those things together either. In fact, I think a lot of people, anger fuels social justice, frustration fuels the need for change. But here, you talk about beauty being the thing that spurs on social change. In other words, right doing starts with somehow beholding or seeing. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Like, I first heard about this from an English professor at Harvard University, Elaine Scarry. And she wrote a little book, which is a beautiful book, uh, on beauty and being just. And the thought captivated me. I thought, that is just rings so true, doesn't it? And I love what you said, Sam, about sometimes we think anger is the energy that brings about social change. And anybody who needs social change would understand and be sympathetic to anger, of course. But then to think behind that is a thirst for something beautiful and for something beautiful maybe for the angry person's family, uh, for their their group, for um, themselves, but for the world. This this uh, at, at the end of the day, the new heavens and the new earth are overwhelmingly beautiful, um, spectacularly beautiful on some level. And, and somehow the vision of God who does that and that end puts us together where we're, whether we're would consider ourselves spiritual or not it just is there it's inside us as human beings somehow maybe you can mention that quote by walter brueggemann brueggemann 
So Walter Brueggemann says the actual result of experiencing beauty is a new, powerful stirring to work for justice. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is from Martin Luther King Jr. Should I read that one too? I think that's a good one. Um, he just so full of passion and confidence uh, urges his congregation to choose a different path rather than being crushed by circumstances. He says, whenever a man looks merely at his circumstances, he ends up in despair, disillusionment, and cynicism. And this is from a sermon on Psalm 27. The great burden of life then is to master the art of looking beyond one's circumstances, which seems far easier said than done, but he lived it. So that's where it becomes beautiful even to think about what he did and how he did it. And he goes on to say, ultimately, the test of a person's life is how they respond to their circumstances. It is necessary to look beyond our circumstances to something fixed, knowing God's beautiful goodness will ultimately win over every state of evil. Isn't that amazingly hopeful? Yeah. And I wonder sometimes it's, um, it's I'm, I was as thinking about this, it's interesting our Eastern Orthodox friends have icons where they picture Jesus, yeah. and when they picture Jesus, he's not really beautiful. He's more like Isaiah's uh person who has no comeliness that we should see him. And yet the same group has beauty in its um, its art and its settings and its places. And it, like our Catholic friends, it understands the beauty of a holy life. So um, the whole country, in a sense, honors Martin Luther King Jr. It's like he's the, a saint for all of us. And there's something, there's something beautifully and holy mixed and perfect person, but uh, really stir- what he did and how he did it was beautiful mm-hmm. in lots of ways. And it kind of changes things. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Anger can be a motivation for social change, but when it's stemming from this kind of, you, you glimpse beauty, you glimpse the way it should be and how it could be, sometimes you get frustrated and angry, but it's almost like it's an anger that's rooted in... Jadedness or whatever. Yeah, jadedness or, or hurt. Or, yeah, even. or even self-centeredness about one's own particular version of what makes yeah. things right or how things should be. Right. But no, it's like you catch this biblical sense of beauty, shalom, wholeness, and that becomes the motivation for working in this broken world towards yeah. that goal. Hey friends, thanks for listening today. You can find Kevin Adams' book 150 on Amazon. You can also find a link to that in the show notes. Along with that, you'll also find stuff from Sam. I have a couple books out. You can find them on Amazon.com. The first one's called God Birth, which is a collection of 34 Christmas poems. And then I just came out with a second poetry book called Read These Poems About David. So it's a collection, I think, 56 poems on the life of David in the Bible. Great title. Great. I also have another book. It's called The Jesus Questions, which is a small group curriculum. All those can be found on Amazon.com. Just type in my name, Sam Gutierrez, G-U-T-I-E-R-R-E-Z. And I've started a small project of original Psalms songs. So if you go to AaronAnton.com, you can find those. A second one uh, just went up this morning, uh, Psalm 113. So I hope you get to listen to it and like it. And how do you spell your name? Uh, A-A-R-O-N-A-N-T-O-O-N, or you can spell it phonetically. They'll, it'll all get you to the same place. And far less exciting than that, but nonetheless, good for you, our listeners. We have just started a Facebook page, so you can go and like us. We're Curious Church Podcast on Facebook. 
go. You can give us feedback. Tell us if you agree with Sam's green things or not. You can also always email us, curiouschurch at grantsprings.org. And you can find our archive of the podcast at grantsprings.org slash curiouschurch. For Kevin Adams, I'm Matt. I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. Thanks for being curious with us. <laughs>